How you guys doing? You okay? All right, so here's the deal. I know I'm a, a picture of athletic perfection and physique. So what I tell you next, I know you'll resonate with. But you know when, and maybe this is just people out of shape like myself, actually, is really the truth. But you know when you run really hard and you get to the end of wherever you're running and you're just, after you get past the, <gasps> which is me, when you get past that, you start, you can hear your heartbeat. You know, you can hear, and you can almost hear it in your eardrum. You know, it's kind of weird. Or like, you guys have seen Elf, right, with Will Ferrell? You know when they take some blood and they prick his finger and he's like sitting there and the little cotton ball in it and he's like, I can feel my heartbeat in my finger and he like eats the cotton ball real fast. But, you know, it's funny because our, obviously our heartbeat is there all the time. I hope it is. I hope everybody's heart is beating today because um, that would be a good thing. But we don't always notice it. It's sort of like, like church and like God. You know, we get together, we're busy all week, the hustle and the bustle, and we get here, and we sing our songs, and we drop something off, in the, hopefully in the, the offering box in the back, and we go serve, and we do all this stuff, and it's this hustle and bustle, and it's like this noise and clamor and the bustle and the rush of it all. And I wonder if there's a heartbeat. Maybe God's heartbeat is there underneath it all. It's there, and we just don't hear it. We get so busy with the things of God that we miss out on his heartbeat. But it's there, and if we listen to it, what it's saying is love people. Love people. Maybe it's saying something kind of like our verse in Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of me. Just because you are so loved, with that love, love others. Live a life of love. Just as my son gave himself up for you and was a fragrant offering and sacrifice. But we miss out on that heartbeat. Maybe when we listen to that heartbeat and we, we just quiet it all and we're still, we can hear that heartbeat of God that says, I am the God of the fatherless, the widow, the orphan, the poor. Not many times in the Bible God says something like that. He identifies with these people. I am their God. But we come and we do all these things and we miss out on his heartbeat. Picture it this way. Pretend you're, you know, we're not in America and we're just in some foreign land where they don't allow Christianity and we don't even know where we're going to meet. We have to get an invitation that's secret to say, okay, we're going to meet here and it's only once a month and we don't have Bibles. We don't have five translations at home and all that stuff. The pastor probably has a Bible and that's it. And we go to this thing and, and we're trying to hungry for God's word, hungry to be obedient, hungry to hear what God has to say, how to live, to hear his heartbeat, to catch his heartbeat. And so maybe that pastor stands up and he reads, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And what if the pastor is saying, what does church look like? What does church look like? If we did that for this whole month and then the next month we meet again and he reads, God is the God of the fatherless, the widow, the orphan, the slave, the poor. What would church look like? Would it look like this in America? Would it look different? Would we hunger and desire for his heartbeat? 
You know, in the scriptures, it says that it's to obey is better than sacrifice. God says, it says in there that, you know, it's okay to bring the fat of the ram and to bring the sacrifice. You see, back in Israel's day, they kind of did what we did. They met together and they brought these sacrifices, kind of beyond us because we don't understand animal sacrifice. And they bring these animals and this, these offerings of fragrance and they would give them to the Lord and they would sing some songs and they would listen whatever to a speaker. It was a lot like Sundays. And God, you know, says those are good. Sacrifices are fine. It's not bad to do that. But to obey is better than sacrifice. And we often miss the point. We miss his heartbeat. We don't catch his heartbeat to love people, to love people. And it becomes about the sacrifice. And God wants us to be a true living sacrifice like Jesus was. Every day of his life, Jesus was a living sacrifice. He was obedient. They're one in the same thing. What would it look like to be that church. That we don't just sing a song, but we embody that song as we live and walk on the earth. What would it look like? The other day, my uh, four and a half year old Ellie, she had a Christmas program, or Christmas program, she had a, a program over at Covenant her, that they sing. And um, so we dropped my two and a half year old. Jason over at, at Mr. Dave, as he called him, Mr. Dave's house, Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave. So we dropped him off at Pastor Dave's house. And he goes running up to the door and he's like, I go swimming at Mr. Dave's house. I go swimming at Mr. Dave's house. And he's running up there. And the next morning, Jen and I, you know, we're getting him ready for, for bed. And you know when, when somebody's telling you a story and they, you can just see in their eyes that they're seeing this big picture, like panoramic view of something. You know, they see it, they envision it. They're almost looking past you. Well, he's laying on the bed and we're changing him. He's like... I swam at Mr. Dave's beach. And it, we're like, you know, like it was this oasis, like, you know, the Florida Keys or something. I mean, it, you could just see in his eyes that it was like palm trees and, you know, just craziness. And, we're, of course, we're the adults, and we have to shatter the dream. And, like, no, no, son, no, it's, that was just a pool in a, in a backyard. Trust me, I've been there. It's just a pool in a backyard. He's, and, you know, with that resilience, he's just like, no, that's Mr. Dave's beach pool. He, you know, to him... It was this big deal. And then Ellie the other day was talking about one of my friends, and, and um, she was watching, walking him pa- watching him walk past by, and she goes like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, he's a great man, just like that. And I was like, look, I know him. He ain't no great man. You know, it's, it's like, but, but to, to her, he was like Abraham Lincoln or something, you know? And, of course, being a dad, you want your little girl like, no, I'm, I'm more like Abraham Lincoln. You know, it's like you want to be the great man. But I love how kids see the world. I love how they see people. And I think God sees people a lot like that, too. He sees the bad stuff, but he sees the potential because we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. God sees the potential in people he thinks it's that oasis. He sees people in a different way. What happens to us? It's like we get older and we're tainted by sin in the world. We, we stop seeing people like God sees them. Check this out in, um, somewhere in Matthew. In Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, catch this, he saw a man. So many times in Scripture, I love it. I always underline it. It says that Jesus saw. Like there's one passage where it's the woman who had been bleeding for years and years. 
and, he, and he, she touched his garment, and it says that he turned and saw her. Jesus saw people, the potential in people. Listen to this. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. See, Matthew was a, a Jewish tax collector, hated by his brothers and sisters because he was betraying them, collecting taxes from his own people for the Romans. And here's Jesus saying, follow me. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I, have, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What is, what is the deal with us? That we stop seeing people as Jesus sees them. And then we get it caught up in this stuff. And this stuff isn't bad. God deserves our worship and praise. He does. He commands us to sing, and I want to. But we get caught up in the sacrifice. And God wants our whole life to be obedient and sacrifice. And we get into the noise and the clamor and the stuff, and we miss out on his heartbeat for people, that he loves people. What is it with us that we, we say, oh, well, that person's a sinner. That person's a, a murderer. That person's an adulterer. That, that person cheated on their taxes. That person did this. Like we're above people. It's like we've forgotten. There's this cool verse in, in Deuteronomy 24, and it's the last couple verses in the chapter 24. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But God basically, he takes the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the desert And then he takes them into a beautiful land where suddenly they're successful. Suddenly they have olive groves. You know, they're they're producing all these olives and exporting them. And and then they've got all these, like, vineyards and grapes and wine. And they're they're suddenly successful. The work of their hands is, is growing. And God says, you know what? In the midst of all that, don't forget the fatherless, the widow, the orphan, the poor. Don't forget. And he says this a couple times. He's like, if you drop some of your tools, leave them there for those who are coming up after you to pick them up and use them. Don't pick up the the other grapes. Let them go through your place. That was their material wealth he's talking about. And he reiterates, don't forget the fatherless. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the orphan. Don't forget the foreigner among you. And then he says something that's key. Remember You two were slaves. See, he's basically saying, you know what? Remember, you were the one that was oppressed. You were the one that was a slave. You were the fatherless, the widow. You were the orphan. And I delivered you. Remember, don't forget. There's something about us when God cleans us up, makes us right, that we forget. And God's saying, remember, remember, it's about People, I love people. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. People need to see God's love. We cannot miss out on his heartbeat as a church. I um, was growing up when I was a kid. My mom took us to a, 
um, the Phoenix Convention Center, and um, we went on Christmas Day, and we went to, to feed the homeless on Christmas Day. And I was a little kid, and I have to admit, I was probably a little reluctant. I mean, it's Christmas Day. This is when I get stuff, you know? When you're a kid, that's what it's about. And I remember going, and it was this huge convention center. I mean, in my mind's eye, it is. You know, as a kid, everything's big. But it was a huge place. And, I, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I had never really been around homeless people. And when I went in, there was a smell. There was a smell there. And it was a little kind of repulsive. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be, be mean or anything. And then you looked, and there was these people with matted hair and torn clothes. And so we ended up serving, and it, it just began to open my eyes. And it really opened my eyes when I saw at tables kids my age and younger. I didn't know there were kids that were homeless. Suddenly this whole I'm different than you was they're no different than me. They're no different. And God has used this as a word picture for me. He says, you know what it's like where you were serving them and, and that smell and all that? That's you, Brian. That was your sin. And I embraced you. I served you. I sat you at my table. I loved you. It should be that very smell that we love. Because that's the same way we smelled with our sin. It says, you know, that it talked about the children of Israel being slaves. The New Testament idea is that we've been delivered from slavery to sin. And that while we were still sinners, Jesus loved us and died for us, sacrificing himself. He embraced us. He sat us at his table. And he says, now you seat others at the table and serve them. Remember, you were also slaves. You were the fatherless. You were that murderer. You were that adulterer. You're the one that cheated on your taxes. You were the one that did those things. Remember that I cleaned you up. And go and tell others where to get food. That's what God wants. We forget. We forget. And God says, remember. Monday, I was just reading in Jeremiah, and um, I can't remember what chapters it was. I think it was chapters 5 through 7. And God, the Old Testament, God just banters back and forth with his kids. So, like, to even try to, like, I have to almost sum it up because it would be just too much to read. I love that God dialogues that much with us. I mean, if I was God, I'd be like, look, just word. You know, I ain't going to talk to you this for eight chapters here. But there's three, five through seven, Jeremiah. It's really cool because God says, look, why don't you fear me? I've set up these, these ancient boundaries with the seas and the sand and all these things. And what he's trying to say is that there's this eternal law, these boundaries. And the eternal law is love. Love God and love others. He says, you keep crossing that. You're dealing unjustly with each other. You're supposed to be a light to the world, and you can't even forgive each other. And then he goes on to say, you know what? You don't stick up for the poor or the fatherless or the widow. You don't defend their cause in the courts. You don't provide for them. And he says this, and it's pretty strong. He's like, I don't want your sacrifices. You see, in there he, he names this fragrant offering they were buying from a distant place. You had to be pretty rich to buy it. It's like, I don't want that. I want your obedience. I want you to love people. That's what I want. That's my heartbeat. Catch his heartbeat. 
And at the end of the ch- in chapter 7, he says, Reform your ways. If you'll get rid of your idols, if you'll deal justly with each other, if you'll defend the rights of the fatherless and the orphan and the widow and the poor, then I'll let you enjoy the land. God doesn't want just a couple songs. He wants our whole lives. He wants us to catch his heartbeat with the love he's given us to give it away. That is the church. That is the church. Don't let this obscure the heart of God. We forget what church is all about. There's no difference between us. Remember how Christ called you. We're no different. You guys have heard the story of, that Jesus feeds the 5,000 in the Bible, some of you. Not all of you, apparently. Okay, all of you have not heard this because I don't see any yeses at all. <laughs> well, he does. He feeds the 5,000, so end of story. But, <laughs> but it's really cool because Jesus gets off a boat and he sees this crowd of people and this is what it says. He saw them and he had compassion. Again, there's that, he saw them. Do we see people as Jesus sees them? He saw them. And so they sat down and he was healing and he was teaching and his disciples were getting antsy. They, they probably wanted to eat. So they're like, look, send them away because they're going to get hungry and it's going to be crazy and they were probably really hungry. So just send them away, Jesus. And he's like, Jesus is something really cool. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. I don't think the disciples were expecting that. And so his disciples couldn't even get the faith to feed them. And a little boy with a few loaves and a few fish brings them to Jesus and he blesses them. God is calling us to catch his heartbeat and to feed people spiritually and physically. We are the hands and we exist as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to feed people spiritually and physically. People need to know Jesus. He is the living bread. But there's a lot of people that need physical bread too. There's a lot of people that have been broken, families, abuse. Those are God's kids, and He wants to defend them. And He's asking us to do it. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Whatever little you have, God can do amazing things, but we have to do it. Don't miss out on his heartbeat. Don't be like the children of Israel, that they lived however they wanted, and then they would just drop off their sacrifices and the fragrant incense, their tithes and offerings, maybe sing a song. God doesn't want that. He wants us to be Obedient. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. When you do for others, it unlocks your heart in ways that I don't understand. And as Brian and, and the guys come up, there's something that happens when we're focused on others and we love others. It's God's heartbeat. While we were his, still his enemies, God loved us and sent his own son Jesus to die on a cross for us and rose from the grave. He says to pick up your cross daily and follow him. That's what a true sacrifice is, a true obedient sacrifice. 
is a daily walk. We were talking earlier in the week about just the heart of what God is doing in us, especially here at TBA, and just the heart that he's given us to reach into the community. And, you know, all this that Brian's talking about this morning, it's, it's this idea of catching God's heartbeat and what he's doing. Um, Joe and Sean were guys that came to mind for us because we've been watching what they've been doing, specifically in Highland City. We've been talking to you guys about our heartbeat for Highland City and how God has put that strongly on our hearts and just watching the things that they have gotten involved in and kind of the journey they've been on. So we invited them this morning to come and just share a little bit with us about that heartbeat, what God has put on their heart, how they've gotten involved. And so um, I'm just going to ask you guys some questions. You know, I know you've been meeting like on Saturday mornings, especially just like clearing brush and, and doing trimming trees and, and some simple kinds of things. But tell me a little bit about how you got to that point. What started the journey for you? The first thing would be when our small group went to the book Tangible Kingdom. It was talking about leaving, living as Jesus' hands and feet in the world around us and in the community. And, and we were the church. It wasn't so much the building and the structure and the events that happened here on Sunday, but it was more us as a group of believers coming together to, to serve together and to have an impact on, on other uh, people in the world. We had we had been through a lot of different things with our small group. Uh, we had we had done our marriage series and we had done a parenting series. We did another marriage series. Uh, we went on and did the New Testament, and I think a lot of you took part in that. Did another marriage series, and uh, then went through FPU, and then uh, did I mention marriage series? Is there a problem in your marriage we should know about? Have you learned anything? That's a good question. Okay, we'll ask your wife. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. So uh, it's awesome. Tangible kingdom. Uh, Mark and Whitney Cabrera joined our small group about that time frame, and uh, and they had noticed. You know, we had we had wanted uh, to start outreaching to our neighbors and friends at work and stuff, and this was really a great fit for us for the tangible kingdom. Uh, about that time, we had read it as a small group, and, um, and then we had a chance to work uh, or get exposed to what they call the Timothy Initiative. It's part of uh, the underground church in Ybor City and in the Tampa area, and uh, through a guy that I knew from work that was really practicing the tangible kingdom. And the uh, Timothy Initiative, it, it really just focuses on uh, people that are homeless uh, addicts that are on the street that have an opportunity to live in a series of houses uh, with a guy named George uh, through the Timothy Initiative. So we had a chance to go over and, and spend some uh, time with them and just see uh, an organization living tangibly in their community. And, uh, and we came back all gun-ho and we're like ready to build Noah's Ark here in Highland City and and uh, and quickly recognized that for us two alone to go and try and do something of that magnitude was just, it was not going to be good for uh, our families and our work and all that stuff. We had to have some, some decent balance. So uh, we got a little pushback there, and we, and we had some good counseling and coaching uh, by, by a friend of ours named Jerry Dominic, who was with the Timothy Initiative, said, look, start small. You already have organizations in your community that you can take a part in. Just go get plugged in. It, it doesn't take much to do that. Well, we've already talked about how you got plugged in specifically in Highland City, but Joe, why don't you kind of paint a picture for us of, you know, what was happening for you guys? How did you, 
How did you find a place to serve? How did you get plugged in? You know, what was happening in your heart at that point as you guys were on this journey? Well, as it all started coming together, uh, Crystal, my wife, and I were able to attend a weekend retreat called Trace Diaz. Several people from our small group had already gone through the weekend, and they invited us to experience it as well. During that weekend, there was a moment where I clearly heard God say to me, what are you waiting for? This is your responsibility. Start now. Stop waiting. Just do something. And that was a huge turning point for me. I knew then I couldn't wait around anymore to figure out any kind of action plan or to outline a, you know, a five-step process plan. I just needed to jump in, get involved, and actually start living out my faith. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I mean, that was a big turning point for me as well. Uh, I mean, I've had some wise counsel tell me once, you know, don't sit on your actions. Uh, I mean, you're, you can be a victim of your own analysis paralysis. Just get out there and do it. That, uh, that following week in the small group after coming back from Trace Diaz, I remember telling the small group that, you know, I just, I had to serve. I had to do something. I didn't know what it was. I was totally clueless to it. But, you know, even if it meant just showing up Saturday morning, parking in a church parking lot in Highland City, I was just going to grab a trash bag and start walking around picking up trash. I had to do something, you know. And uh, Sean jumped in. He agreed with me. And that's kind of what actually got the ball rolling and, and got the fire going. Our hearts were in Highland City, just like the churches were, and we felt like a big reason why uh, God led us to this guy named Eddie that we met is because everyone in our small group had had some kind of direct effect with family members that were dealing with addiction and alcoholism and stuff. My father-in-law is one who struggled with addiction, and he ended up in a halfway house in Highland City that we now refer to as Eddie's house. Uh, Eddie's guys lived in Highland City for over 25 years, and the whole time living there, his I don't know if you call it a ministry, but I guess it technically is. But he basically is there to, to bring people in out of detox. He brings them in out of jail, treatment centers, and just gives them a, a fresh start, a place to, to go where no one else accepts them, no one else wants them to be. And, uh, and he brings them in and gives them a, a second chance. And uh, we heard about Eddie, so reached out, tried to get phone numbers for him, ways to get in touch with him, uh, made the initial phone call, and uh, told him, you know, just a little bit about me and Sean, what we were all about, what we wanted to do, and what we, you know, how he directly affected me with my father-in-law. And, uh, and he said, yeah, he said we could show up and we could help. So I immediately called Sean out of excitement that we actually had something to do besides just walking around and picking up trash. And uh, it was while I was on the phone with Sean, Eddie called back, and he ended up leaving me a voicemail. And on the voicemail, when I checked it, he, uh, he said, you know, we didn't really clarify this on the phone, but I just wanted to be sure, you know, this, is, this has got to be on a volunteer basis. I don't have any money to pay you guys. I don't have any, anything to give to you, but it's, you know, it's just got to be on a volunteer basis. So I called him back and said, absolutely, you know, of course that was the case. And I think he's been the guy that's been helping others for so long that he's never really had anyone reach out and, and offer that same help back to him, you know. So that's where it started that, uh, that next Saturday morning. We met up. 8 o'clock at his house and just started doing yard work, started rebuilding some fencing, rebuilding gates, clearing debris, making uh, burn piles around a, a fire pit he's got. And, uh, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's done everything he can, and he's got a few physical ailments that, that he's dealing with, but there's still a lot that can be done. Sean, why don't you take some time just to tell us a little bit about, you know, how it's developed from there. What, what has happened and how has all this come together? In fact, let me point out, too, before we go on, Eddie is actually here with us this morning. Eddie's sitting right over here at one of our cafe tables, and so he was able to be here and be a part today. Thank you for being here, Eddie. 
Well, uh, it quickly took off for us uh, just through a bit of basic work that we were doing uh, at Eddie's house. Uh, we started meeting a lot of people. And just to give you some insight, there's about three to four people that live with Eddie at any one time uh, in his house. And there's also times where, well, he can't even have them in the house. And, uh, I mean, he's got a tent area set up in the backyard. And, uh, and this is in our backyard. And, you know, when you... When we saw that, and we saw, you know, somebody sleeping in dirt in a tent, this ain't a KOA that you can plug in a campsite. I mean, it's, it was really uh, heart-wrenching for me to even uh, see that. So, yeah, and, and these pictures up here you're seeing, this is just some of the beginning photos that uh, we had a chance to start working on in Eddie's house uh, in, and around his uh, lot area. So, um, so we just started carrying branches out to the road and, and just building a relationship with some of the guys in the house. Uh, they started interacting with us, and we had a chance to, uh, I, I think Joe took them uh, over to get some, some car parts for one of their cars. And these guys are trying to get plugged back in the community. Uh, you know, Eddie's sending a strong spiritual message to them uh, and, and about their spiritual growth, but just trying to get them the foundationals uh, for living their life again. And uh, one of the things that happened to us just two weekends ago, uh, we were standing there and working in the backyard, and we looked across the street, and there's this church called Genesis. Uh, it's a missional church uh, across the street, and uh, we're like looking through. There was an agape food bank going on during that time frame, and we saw a video going, and Eddie was on the video, and we're like, man, we got to go check that out. So we just walked over there. And uh, we were introduced to the pastor there, uh, Pastor Brian Kelly with Genesis, but he's also a professor at Southeastern. And I just started talking. Within five minutes, uh, uh, Dr. Brian Kelly, he had me praying for, for a lady that had just gone through surgery, and it was like, wham, it just started happening real quick. And all of a sudden, we've got all these jobs we're going to do over there and fixing this basketball hoop and all this stuff. But then we start hearing about his mission through Genesis and through Southeastern and, and through an organization called the Community Youth Coalition, which is a nonprofit that he's getting set up. And uh, it just, things just really started happening. It's, it's very exciting. The thing that I, that I take from it is, I mean, I, I feel comfortable partnering with, with those other organizations, not about TBA. It's, uh, it's about uh, God's kingdom's work. And TBA has encouraged me to live out my faith and partner with anyone uh, who has the same mindset. And it's, uh, it's not about who's getting credit. It's about doing God's work in our community. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about the journey, and it, it's truly amazing for Joe and I to continue to do that. So, You know, we talk all the time about what it looks like to live out the kingdom, and, and we talk about the fact it's not about TBA, it's not about Genesis, it's not about other organizations. It's just about living as Jesus' hands and feet in the community around us and, and really making an impact on the community. But... I think for most of us, the hang-up becomes, how do I do that? You know, what does that look like? How do I get involved? And I mean, here, here's a couple guys within our church family who have begun to get involved, who have done some simple things. But I think for most of us, we kind of get stuck in that analysis paralysis that Sean's talking about where we go, well, you know, what does that look like? What's my plan? Who am I going to go talk to? Who am I going to work with? So to wrap up this morning, Joe, let me ask you one last question. What, what do you think... Um, well, one, is what you're doing worth it? You know, is it worthwhile what you're doing? But then, you know, how do you guys plug in? How hard is this? How uncomfortable is it? 
And how do you find the ways to plug in with what you're doing? Yeah, it's absolutely worth it, <clears throat> without a doubt. I mean, absolutely. Uh, after all the studies, our small groups done, all the time we spent learning about God and the Scripture and, and Jesus, to finally find a way to, to live it out and actually make a difference in the community is huge. The, the little bit of stuff we've done, it's had more of an impact in my life than the, the past you know, three or four years of doing different Bible studies and different you know, small group studies and different things. It's just actually putting it in place and, and living it out. You know? And it's not even doing anything major. It's just trimming trees and fixing fences and hauling stuff to the dump and just stuff that any, any one of us here can do. You know? and, uh, and we don't even necessarily talk about church or you know, spend time praying or anything. It's just normal conversations and normal time just talking to people. Uh, in fact, there was uh, one story that comes to mind. It was uh, four or five weeks ago where I was there, and we were doing some work on the backside of Eddie's property, and there was a guy that had been there right about a week, and he'd helped me that day clear up a, a bunch of brush and debris and move it off front to a, to a big burn pile. And uh, at the end of the day, when we got through working, I was putting all the tools in the truck, getting everything tidied up, putting everything back up where it goes, and he was just kind of milling around out by where I was working, kind of, you know, kicking rocks and stuff, and guy was 28 years old, and he said, uh, I could just tell he had something on his heart, you know, so I started asking him, you know, he's from Winter Haven, he had an ex-girlfriend, had an eight-year-old son, and uh, he made the comment to me that he was 28 years old, and he hadn't done anything significant in his life, you know, and so I tried to encourage him and, and let him know that he was in a safe place, and, you know, uh, keep God on his heart, and, and, and try to make a difference from this point on, this is like a clean slate for you, and, uh, you know, this is this is where God wants you to be. This is where, where you could have that new beginning, you know. And after that brief little conversation, you could just kind of tell he, he kept thinking. And he, uh, he immediately came back and said, he said, last year I taught my son how to swim. Does that count? Is that significant? And, I mean, right there, it just completely broke my heart. That was an absolute just, that was change. That was a huge change. You know, the, the little bit of time I, I had to spend with this guy on a Saturday working with him, I could actually make a difference. I could truly make a difference to this guy, you know. And we were just talking, you know, and I was just trying to encourage him and try to talk him up while he's having a tough time, you know. So every week that we're there, you know, I'm looking around and, you know, to me it just seems like four or five hours of, of yard work and fixing stuff and, and pilling around the house, you know, and Eddie constantly comes to us and just, you know, praises our, our being there and stuff like that. And I keep telling him, you know, this is our four or five hours here a week is nothing. I mean, you've, you've dedicated your life to bringing these people in your house and giving them shelter and your food and share your bed and, and clothing and stuff. And it's to see what he's doing and the little bit that I can offer him on a Saturday and the fact that God's put us both together to work together is just, it's awesome. It's the most beautiful picture of grace you could ever paint in your mind. It's just absolutely amazing. I think just to wrap up what they've been doing or what they've been involved in, the, the cool thing to me is that they basically have just become a part of what God's already doing. You know, God is moving and working through Eddie and through the ministry that he's got going there at his house, through just sharing his stuff and reaching out to people and bringing them in. And they're not having to create something. They're not having to design a ministry or create an organization or do anything like that. They're just getting plugged in and involved in what God's already doing. And I think that's amazing. In fact, I want to show you this last picture. Here's a picture of Joe and Sean with Eddie there at his house as they're working with him. And, in fact, 
after service this morning, Joe and Sean are going to be up front here, and Eddie's going to be with them. And, and uh, if you have questions or you want to hear more about what they're doing or get involved or get plugged in, you'll have the opportunity to talk to them. I know they've got a big work day coming up. I think June 8th is a tentative date that they're looking at, but there's some, some cool things coming where they're going to need some help in Highland City putting some things together. Um, so already be, you know, just kind of mark that on your calendar, be thinking about that, listening for that, because that will be coming soon. I want to wrap up this morning with a, a quote, and this is something Joe shared with me earlier in the week, and the quote comes from a guy who's involved in the Tampa Underground Church, if you've heard of that. Um, Timothy Initiative that they talked about earlier is a part of Tampa Underground, and basically it's this network of micro-churches um, that are, it's tangible kingdom in a big picture. I mean, they are living out ministry to the community, meeting people at their point of need and ministering to them in simple things. And, and Timothy Initiative is a picture that really got Joe and Sean connected and got them started in Highland City. But this guy quoted this. He says, my dream would be to look back on my city and to say that it is fundamentally different because of this group of unnamed people that were so committed to Jesus. They laid down their lives so profoundly that the city was never the same. No one remembers exactly who was in charge. No one remembers the name of anything in particular. But history will record that this city is different because of the way they lived their lives and because they were there. That is the picture of living out the kingdom in the world around us. It's not about TBA. It's not about Genesis. It's not about the other church down the street. It's not about any individual. It's not about Sean and Joe. It's not about any of us. It's about changing a city and making an impact because of what God is doing and how he's moving. And we are that conduit that he works through to carry the gospel to those around us. That's the heartbeat. That's what we want people to catch. Joe and Sean, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning, sharing a little bit of your journey, what you've done. People are made in the image of God. I want to read this last verse to you in First John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You give them something to eat. Will you stand and let's worship?